Listener Production. Hey, do you want to know how to create funny sales videos that get a ridiculous amount of views and sell an absurd amount of your product or service? Excellent. I thought you would. Well, listen up, as today's special guest has done this time and time again, thanks to his eight-step formula. It's a funnier than normal episode 547 of the 12-year-old award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. And welcome back to your weekly dose of hilariously funny marketing. Well, you can be the judge of that, but you know, we, we have a crack around here. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are so ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly what we do around here. That is exactly why this podcast exists. And if you love it, hit the subscribe button now on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss another episode. Guess what? As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Got three updates for you before we meet today's fantastic special guest. Update number one is our Facebook group, which we lovingly call the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe, has just passed 1,000 members. Love it, love it, love it. It's about six months old. It's a place where business owners just like you support each other. We share ideas, we test ideas, and we just offer a whole lot of encouragement. If you haven't joined, head over to Facebook, look for the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe, answer the very difficult three questions that we pose in order to give you a free membership, and we'll look out for you once you're in. Update number two is that I have just rewritten an updated version of the 10 marketing wake-up calls every business owner should know about that live on the homepage of my website over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. It's a free download for you. I would encourage you to go over there and grab them because it will probably change your mindset around what great marketing looks like for a business just like yours. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com to grab those wake-up calls for free. And update number three is over the coming weeks, I'm going to be talking more about business owner well-being, which is a really deep interest of mine. Having done this podcast now for 12 years, one thing I've noticed is that those successful business owners really look after themselves. And then I meet a plethora of business owners that just look a bit tired, worn out. The business is running them. They're not running the business. They're working in it, not on it. You know what I mean? Might be you, might not be, but it is a deep interest of mine. I'm going to be asking my guests questions about how they maintain their well-being, plus I'm going to introduce a new segment all about business owner well-being. In order for that to be a very successful and useful segment for you, I'd love to know what's your number one question around well-being is, you know, mind, body, soul, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental, all that stuff. Whatever that question, whatever area that question comes from, let me know by emailing me, tim at timreed.com.au, or you can share it inside the tribe once you become a member. Okay, enough updates. Let's meet today's guest. So today's special guest is Joseph Wilkins, who's produced thousands of television commercials, infomercials. I love a good infomercial. We talk a little bit about them because we can learn a lot from them. And sales videos for the likes of Google, McDonald's, LinkedIn, Goldman Sachs, just a few big brands. Now then as our viewing habits shifted from TV to online, Joseph very cleverly launched funnysalesvideos.com where he produces attention grabbing and I've got to say hilariously funny videos that literally entertain viewers 
into making a purchase. They are so clever. In fact, one of his videos has over 30 million views and generated millions of dollars in tracked sales. That's what I like about Joseph's work. Um, It's all very quantifiable. Yeah. If you'd like to get a sense of the kind of videos he's producing before you listen to the interview, then check out funnysalesvideos.com and watch one uh, before listening to the interview. They only t- they're only about three minutes long. Make sure you come back and listen to the interview, though, because he generously shares eight steps to follow for any business, including yours, to boost online sales. I started off by asking Joseph to explain very simply what is a funny sales video. The goal of a funny sales video is to really overcome what we've been doing traditionally in marketing, which is just pitching our products and not really giving the customer the benefit of being entertained. And so the really the goal of funny sales video is to hook someone's attention, most importantly, stop the scroll, I call it, tell them a story that gets them engaged and care about the message that you're trying to communicate and then solve a problem very, you know, in a fairly short amount of time. But obviously the goal number one is to create an instant conversion, whatever you define that as. And a close second is just to get them to like you because most advertising isn't designed to make you feel, you know, like you like that brand. You 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 feel like you've been interrupted and you've been pitched. You don't feel like, hey, I like those guys. That's probably a function, and I totally agree with that, having worked in advertising for many years. And and I reflect on the fact that advertising is so often push, push, push. But tell me, I sort of concluded that it's because you have a limited amount of time as an advertiser. If we're talking about old school advertising, 30 seconds on TV, 30 seconds on radio, a small ad in the newspaper, you know, you've only got so much time or so much space to sell. So you cut to the chase, which is buy from me. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Well, with one exception, and you know, we can get into my background later, maybe if you if you're interested. But I started with infomercials, thirty minute infomercials. Wow! So very different world, and and there we had you know all the time that we wanted. But you're you're absolutely right for clients that don't have the kinds of budgets to produce a thirty minute long, essentially a feature film almost in advertising terms. Yeah, you got to cut to the chase. You got to you know unless you're branding, unless you're McDonald's or you know Coca Cola. Most of the direct response companies, though, you know they've got to make the phone ring, they've got to get the click, um, or else they're wasted their money. So yes, they've got to shove that immediate call to action down your throat, but. With online, you get the benefit if you can keep their attention of having longer form. The the infomercial thing is fascinating. As much as we human beings probably really hate infomercials, as marketers and as small business owners, we can actually learn a lot from an infomercial because, and I'm guessing, well, we will, we're going to dissect a funny sales video as we go along, but... I often say to small business owners who are interested in copywriting, listen to an infomercial and dissect the way they raise problems, they get your head nodding. It's like, yeah, that's me, that's me. And then you punch them with a solution and it's like, but man, so what's the big takeout, I guess, from someone who's produced 30-minute infomercials for many years? To me, the takeout of how do we apply it to today's world, because in my opinion, for the most part, you know, infomercials are dead as the dodo, unless, you know, you're buying very, very cheap remnant space at, you know, 2 a.m. But my clients saw huge results 20 years ago when I started my agency. But these days, you know, the principles are still the same. We used to say, you've got 30 seconds to grab someone's attention before they'll change the channel. Now you've got five seconds, if that. And so the the principles are the same. We've just condensed it into much shorter attention spans, you know, which is from the, you know, most recently TikTok and, you know, Instagram, Twitter kind of attention spans. Well, the the challenge is even greater because you you say changing the channel, which I guess you mean moving on to something else on Facebook or watching another video on YouTube versus just the TV where we had a remote and it was like, okay, click, you're gone. Whereas, right, if you if your if your funny sales video isn't funny and engaging and it's on Facebook, then your viewer is going to be watching cats fall off ladders within ten seconds. Absolutely. So you've got to be just as engaging as cats falling off ladders. That's right. But then relevant. Not easy. 
easy being as engaging as cats falling off ladders because <laughs> they are quite funny, but we can get a little bit tired of them. What type of companies, Joseph, are these funny sales videos a good fit for? Yeah, I get that question all the time. And I always respond by saying, what kind of people like to smile? <laughs> what kind of people like to laugh? I mean, Everyone. even the most, exactly, even the most boring, stuffy corporate executive will respond if you make something that connects with them. Mm -hmm. And so a quick answer to your question, we have companies that are, you know, huge companies that are spending tens, even hundreds of millions of dollars a week on ads. We also really? have, I mean, we, oh yeah, oh yeah. We also have literally one-man bands. In fact, I had one in my studio just a week ago um, recording a case study who doubled his sales in a year because of a funny sales video. It doesn't have to be this huge ad spend. The, the principle is really simple. If you're at least breaking even or making a mediocre return on ad spend with a traditional ad, you'll benefit from something that is going to engage people at a higher level. So it really, whether you're B2B, B2C, we've even done fundraising videos for companies that are, you know, looking to go public but need some seed money first. We've used funny sales videos for pretty much any kind of business objective you can imagine. Let's go through a couple of case studies. We are going to dissect the steps required to create a funny sales video, but Let's just understand a couple of case studies where you've gone and created these videos for brands and the sure. kind of results you've got. So I'm in your hands. What's the first one? So I guess the first one is our most recent one and, and frankly, our biggest success. So I, I started this agency 20 years ago doing infomercials, TV commercials, traditional corporate web sales videos. It wasn't until about four years ago that I decided, you know, we need to do something different here. You know, we don't have 20 years worth of case studies. We have probably about three years. And these videos take, you know, three to six months each to produce. So you can imagine, you know, it's wow. like birthing a child from beginning to end. But our most recent campaign is for a company called True Earth. They are uh, an ecologically conscious company that has a mission to stop filling up our landfills with plastic. And they created a product that basically allows you to take the water out of laundry detergent and they ship it to you in these, it kind of feels like chewing gum almost. They ship it to you in a, in a cardboard sleeve to, to reduce all plastic. And within two videos, so one campaign with the same character in two videos, we now have over 60, possibly 70, we were, we were looking at the numbers yesterday, million views. So, you know, across mainly Facebook, YouTube, some Snapchat, Pinterest and Instagram, but the lion's share on Facebook. And to add to that, you know, 50,000 comments and, and, and engagements and I think 30,000 shares. So just absolutely mind-blowing numbers from these two videos that we produced. Okay. Uh, cost of video and return on that investment? Yeah, so they, they won't give me specific numbers because it's hard to track the exact dollar amount because we're talking lifetimes, you know, or at least two or three year consumer cycle, but millions of dollars in sales. In fact, the very first, after two weeks of the campaign launching, we had 10 million views and Ryan said that they'd easily generated $2 million in sales. So millions of dollars in sales for... I'll say tens of thousands of dollars in production. Pretty good. You're being cagey on the price, which I understand because they're your client. Tens of thousands of dollars as in over $100,000? No, no, no. That's awesome because one of my objectives in chatting to you, as I said off air, was, you know, is this possible for the average small business owner? Now, you know. Sure. So, so let me follow that up with, a, with kind of the polar opposite of that. Now, I've got to clarify we don't make viral videos. They see our name and they think viral videos. We don't do viral videos. The days of building a sales-oriented funny video that goes quote-unquote organically viral are gone. Facebook, YouTube, they're, they're too smart. If, if you're going to use their platform to promote a product, they want their palms greased, right? And so they're not going to let your video go viral unless you pay to play. 
And so our goal isn't to make a viral video. Now we do get a you know a big boost in virality because of the shares, but the goal is to create a video that when you fuel it with paid ads does twice the return on ad spend of what you would get with a traditional boring style call to action spot. Does that make sense? Yeah, so so just on that before you share the second case study, the true earth Example, which and I've watched the videos. They're fantastic. Thank you. Uh, they're very funny. The guy in it and the lady in it. They're both very funny. You said you got ten million views in the first week, or was it? A, what was the number? Within two weeks of the first video launching, we're at eleven million views. So where was the uptick on that? So you put the video out there. Do you let it organically get a little bit of traction first or do you immediately throw a whole lot of advertising dollars at it? The whole point of this is to fuel everything that we do with ad dollars. Now, I'll make a big disclaimer. We're a creative shop. We don't get involved in the, you know, we we partner up with agencies or we work with clients who have dynamite in-house teams. But I can tell you that, you know, they were fueling it with tens of thousands of dollars of ads to be able to get those kinds of results. But again, it's all about return on ad spend rather than, you know, how viral can we make this thing go? I might lose half the audience as I ask this question, but hey, you know, we, let's. I, I just like to be upfront. So that's an example of a video that's cost under a hundred thousand dollars. They've thrown. I'm just going to assume an equivalent amount of money at it to get it traction and to launch it into, you know, viral the world of viral videos. So they spent a couple of hundred grand. What do you say to the listener that's just about to turn off going, this is not for me, I could never afford anything like that? Can they still create something? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So that's my second case study. And let me step back. Anyone can do this. They don't have to hire a company like us. We tend to think we'll do a bit of a better job than they can. But take the principles that I'm talking about Go try and do it yourself. And that's, you know, that's where my free ebook comes in for clients that call up that say, you know, we want to hire you and, you know, they can't quite afford it or they're not a good fit. We're fairly picky with who we take on. And so anyone can follow the steps that I teach in my free ebook. But case in point, a client came to me a year ago. It was basically a guy working out of his house, selling a product that relieves headaches, back pain. Uh, It's kind of a a resonance therapy device, almost like a massager that you hold in your hand, selling it for $500 from cold traffic. He'd hired probably three or four agencies when he came to me. And I immediately said, yes, I can help you, but you've got to get the right agency who knows what they're doing to be able to promote these ads, set up all the funnels. He had spent a total of $89,000 the previous year on all of his marketing, right? So not a huge budget. He came to us, we produced the ad. Before he produced the ad, I hooked him up with a partner company that I work with that I refer to people who don't have an agency. Within three months, the day that we shot the ad, he turned to me and he said, oh, your your partner's already generated more money than I'm paying off to produce this video. So it was already in the black. And then we interviewed him last week and he said that his month over month sales have doubled because of the campaign that we've produced. And, you know, he's only spending, I, I don't know the exact numbers, you know, $50 a day on ads. Amazing. Amazing. You said you're picky. I want to digress just a little bit, uh, sort of a marketing question for your business. You said you're picky with the clients that you take on. How do you do that? Because I think not enough businesses do that. I think, you know, a lot of businesses, they might be desperate or they might not be picky and they they choose not to be picky, but it's like you you want to work with good people if you're a business owner, you know, it it kind of makes life fun. And my follow-up question to that, which you can answer at the same time, is like how – describe the mindset – of your ideal client because what you produce is very, it's out there and it's not for every business owner because they couldn't quite get their head around something that, you know, is funny and flippant and takes the piss. Well, it's disruptive, right? Yes. And I'll, I'll tackle the second question first. If, if I'm not working with somebody who wants to be disruptive, game over. If you're in marketing... It doesn't matter what industry, what vertical, you have to be disruptive. You have to be different than what your competitors are doing. You have to be different than what your customers expect or else you'll get ignored. And being, you know, being me too, being mediocre, 
in my opinion, that's just a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe to go to zero. And so I love to work with innovative companies who want to push the limits, not push the culture. And there's a big difference, right? I don't want to create a video that's going to go against the culture. I just want to go against the, you know, the flow of what their customers are expecting because you've got to be surprising. So the mindset of the clients that I like to work with is, you know, anyone who really wants to do something that's going to shake up the the status quo and obviously get the results that they haven't been getting in the past. And now I've rambled too long and forgot your first question. Your first question. Oh, it was around the no, no, no. It was around the mindset of the client and, and the fact that you're producing work that is challenging and 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 the fact that you are picky in who you take on. Uh, that that's the one. So the first thing is obviously you've got to you've got to be in a place where you can afford to be picky. So you know, after twenty years, we have the luxury that we've got to that place where you know. We can keep the lights on. When I first started the company, as long as something was legal and ethical, I would produce a video for them. These days, I want to do good with my time. You know, especially with these videos that are three to six months to produce, it literally is like birthing a child. You want to look back on it afterwards and say, that chunk in my life meant something. So I love mission-driven companies, you know, True Earth, trying to save the planet. That really gets me excited. And then, you know, your creativity goes to a whole new level because you're not just pushing dollars and cents, you're changing people. It's a real challenge for many business owners. You, you work in a creative space. You have a creative agency. My time in advertising, I worked with many creative type people, both on the client side and, and on the agency side. But for your average small business owner to even understand the concept of creativity, let alone you know embrace it and go and produce something creative, whatever that may be, you know we don't see it enough. And I think such great marketing is often about mindset. So I guess hopefully those that are listening kind of can embrace a bit of creativity. You know, try something different, even if it's ten percent of their marketing time they spend just doing something different or something that challenges their status quo. Yeah, but but I also look at business owners as the ultimate creators, right? They're creating yes. jobs, they're creating products. It's just a different part of creativity. So, you know, being collaborative is the ultimate goal. I, I want to dissect these funny sales videos, Joseph, so those listening can go and produce one. You've, you've got a book called Eight Steps to Producing Funny Sales Videos Without Hiring Us, which I love. I love that last bit, without hiring us. It's like, really? <laughs> Giving away the, the, the 11 herbs and spices already? It's fantastic. I'm going to dissect each step of the way. The first step is discovery, which you talk about, you know, be 100% knowledgeable on what you're selling and your ideal customer, which sounds obvious, but tell us a little bit more about that discovery process and, and how you can embrace it. So when, it, when the phone rings and a client says, I want to do a funny sales video, I love what you've done, I've seen the results, the first thing that I say to them is tell me about your product and tell me about why you do what you do. And then they'll give me a nice long flowery explanation and then I'll tell them something that's a little bit hard for them to hear. I'll say, thank you for telling me that, but now let me make it very clear. I don't care about what you think about your product. What I care about is what your customer thinks about your product. And so the very first thing that we want is, yes, I want to explore the why behind the product, but from your point of view, but now I want to go out and I want to listen to your customer. Give me as many avenues as you can to help me to understand the customer's voice. What are the top reasons why they love you? And what are the top reasons why they love your competitors? What's our game plan here? What do we need to hit home and what do we need to overcome? And the best way to do that is to listen rather than just you know make assumptions. And one of the ideas you have under discovery is read lots of customer reviews. And I think this is such a great idea. You say here, let customers write your script by telling you what made them. If this is your first launch, then read the reviews from your closest competitor. Now, an example of that where that happened to me recently is I interviewed about a month ago, Jeff Bezos's shadow his right-hand man. And Colin had just written a book called Working Backwards, which was the whole Amazon process of coming up with ideas. Um, the book wasn't available yet in Australia. I went to Amazon and read the customer reviews on it. 
and they were <laughs> incredible. It's amazing the, the trouble people go to to write reviews. So I basically read the reviews on Amazon and felt like I'd read the book. And likewise, I do go and read the reviews for my podcast on iTunes, of which I have many, and that also gives me insight into the language people are using, into how they're feeling about my podcast, good and bad. And it's just such great insight and such a simple way of of understanding your, your business and what it is that you have to offer. You know what else it gives you sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there are people, and you've I'm sure you've read some of these, that will be extremely funny in their reviews. Like they'll tell you stories and crazy things and, and we've literally lifted those out of the reviews and put them in our videos, good and bad. <laughs> like even yeah, bad yeah. reviews, sometimes people want authenticity. And so sometimes, you know, throwing three good reviews and then one stinker of review that's really funny will actually add credibility that you're not just cherry picking the best of the best. And I think one thing with reviews, another thing with reviews, Joseph, is just looking at the language customers are using and then integrating that into your script or your website copy or your next sales letter. There's so much to be gleaned from those. You, the other part of discovery you talk about, and there's many things in your ebook that you touch on, is identify two objections. Once you're aware of these objections, you can script compelling arguments, social proof and testimonials that will help the viewer or the potential customer overcome, you know, any blockages they may have. You know, again, you know, something we don't necessarily think about. Yep, yep. We actually have a script that we're in the middle of writing right now. It's kind of funny. It's for a portable urinal. <laughs> so, so really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's aimed at the older crowd or people recovering from surgery. But we sat down and read through all of the reviews and a bunch from their competitors. And the number one thing that came up time and time and time again was leaks. Right. The last thing that you want when you've got <laughs> yeah, a yeah, urinal yeah. strapped to you on, in bed is is for it to leak. And so we actually reverse engineered it, and they took the product to the R and D and said, before we produce this video. We need to make this leak proof because that's the number one message that we have to yeah, say right. in this video is 100% guaranteed leak proof. And so, you know, the marketing wagged the R&D in that case. Do you know, it just reminded me, a past guest of mine probably of five years ago was the fellow who invented the squatty potty. Oh, yeah. With the incredible rainbow uh, shitting unicorn. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. just out there. What, one of the the ones that started this whole movement. <laughs> yes. No pun intended. Yeah, 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 boom, boom. Okay, let's move on to step two, uh, which is brainstorming. And one of the points you make under brainstorming is create a brain share, which is a group of people that you trust and all of whom are invested in the project at hand. I love this. Again, I don't think as business owners we do this enough, whether we're trying to create a funny sales video or whether we're just trying to come up with ideas. Tell us a bit more about this brain share concept. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I stole that from Ed Catmull's book, Creativity Inc., the founder of Pixar. And, you know, when they come up with the next idea for the next movie, that's what they do. They create the brain share and then they, you know, in every step of the development process, they review it with the brain share. But a critical part of that is making sure that you have good representation of your customer avatar, right? If you and I decide, you know, let's create a funny sales video for a, you know, a feminine product, it would be a complete waste of time if we don't at least bring in females to test our scripts on, to test our ideas on, to test our jokes on, to make sure that it, you know, it may tickle your and my funny bone, but if it doesn't land with the audience, it's pointless. So yeah, you've got to create this trusted brain share. It also has to be a safe place where no idea that you throw out is going to get criticized. You know, the worst ideas can spawn off the best ideas. It's, brainstorming is such an illogical, you know, non-linear process. Yeah, I had a um, wonderful fellow on this show years ago. His name was Phil McKenney. He was the VP, the Vice President of Innovation at Hewlett-Packard, and he'd come up with a process called Killer Questions. He had 78 of them, 78 killer questions, and it was, the, the idea was to stimulate the creative process, and they would force you into places that you wouldn't normally go. So instead of asking, how can we make a better widget, maybe a killer question would be, how would a Formula One racing team go about creating a better widget? Or oh, that's great. How would you create a better widget if you had no budget? 
or if you had $10 million. It's just really lovely ways of forcing you. One of the things that freaks me out a bit in this stage, Joseph, is that you're going to come up with a whole lot of ideas and there's no bad ideas, which means you're going to have a long list of ideas, which means, and then one of your points is create a document with five high-level ideas to get down to one idea. How do you do that? What filtering system enables that? So that's really hard to quantify. So you have to have somebody on the brain share. So, you know, typically our brain shares are six to 10 people, right? Can't be too big, can't be too small, but you have to have a creative director, right? Someone who ultimately is the person who says, thank you for all of your input. Thank you for all your valuable ideas. Give me everything that you can give me as to which one, you know, filter it down to your top five. And then that person and the client has to trust that person. That person ultimately has to distill them down to the five. And then that's typically where we have another brain share and we say, okay, here are the top five. Here's the reasons why I like one, two, three, four, five. And ultimately this is the one that I like. Typically, I don't tell my brain share which is my top idea or, you know, or my client. I'll say, here are my five ideas. Give me some feedback because that will influence me to come up with my number one. But ultimately, you know, it's all about version one is better than version none. You got to go with one of them. And a lot of the time, Tim, you'll find that you'll pick your top one, but many of the elements of some of the others may find their way into that one script. So you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can be open to using multiple as long as you stay true and consistent to the main story of that one idea. So it, it can't distract, but if it adds, by all means, you know, add it in. I don't know that that answered your question. No, no, it, it did. It's tough. It's a really Very. tough part of the process, particularly if you're a business owner listening and going, I'm going to embark on this, but they don't have the luxury of being able to employ an agency. So they've just got to surround themselves with a good brain share. Yes. And whether it's the business owner themselves that's going to be ultimately responsible for choosing the idea or, you know, whether there's... I remember interviewing a lady years ago who came up with the video. She was a fashion designer in LA and she came up with that first kiss video. Oh, yeah, You'd brilliant. you aware of that? Absolutely. Awesome. Very good. It was awesome. Now, she, and I can't remember her name, but she wasn't responsible for coming up with the idea. She did actually put together a brain share. She probably didn't even know it. But living in LA and being a fashion designer, one of her friends was a film director and as a result being a film director, highly creative, and then she knew actors and people in the industry that they could all pull in who I think all did it for no charge, but she left the ideation or at least the ownership of the final idea to her friend, the film director. So I guess we've just, you know, if you can't afford an agency, look inside your network and see who's in there because we've all got great networks, right, you know. Absolutely. And and I'll add just one, one last thing. Don't kill your unicorns too fast. And what I mean by that, back to your point, the squatty potty. So the Harmon brothers are one of my mentors. I've, I've been through, in fact, they led me to start this company. I'll just say that. I went through all of their training. In fact, I was there at Harmon Brothers two weeks ago being interviewed for their podcast, huh. kind of as a success case because I'm one of their How students. How nice is that? Yeah, absolutely. But can you imagine that very first board meeting where the Harmon brothers went in to Squatty Potty and said, we know what's going to sell your product, a unicorn that poops multi-flavoured ice cream, right? What crazy board member is going to accept that? But it's still one of the highest grossing viral style sales videos of all time. So don't be too quick to dismiss crazy ideas. Again, back to that disruption. Yeah. I, I will say for those listening, because we're mentioning a lot of different examples here, I'll put, an, you know, I'll embed the Squatty Potty video, I'll embed the First Kiss video, and of course, Joseph's videos that you've talked about in the show notes, because, you know, you really need to see them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we're giving it justice by talking about them, but you do need to see them. Step three of the process to creating a funny sales video, Joseph, in your ebook is scripting. First question around that is this, should this be left to the professionals? I would say if you really want the results, yes. I mean, that that's the bottom line. To me, the most important part, you can even get away with filming it yourself. You can get away with editing it yourself. 
but you really need a great script. You can't get a really bad script to make it look good with a good camera. You can take the crappiest camera and make a great script, great. And, and so, yes, you really should get at least someone on the team, if not multiple. We, I mean, we have probably 10 writers that touch every project that we do. Wow. But yes, if, if you have the budget, and that includes all of the comedy writers, right? So there's multiple stages of scripting. There's the marketing points, right? The, the skeleton, your five copy points of the, your selling propositions, your two or three objections to overcome. So there's one rough outline of a script, which is we've got to hit these points. The next is the story, which is really step three, where we take those marketing points and we create a character who goes on a journey because they have a problem, encounters a guide that has a solution, and then that we show why their life is better because of that solution. And that's basically Donald Miller's story brand structure right there. It's an awesome structure. The hero's journey. Exactly. And so getting a script writer that understands that and can put all that together is only going to benefit your, your project and ultimately the results that you get. Just to that point, and I, my listeners who have been with me for a long time would have heard me say this before, but having a copywriter on your virtual marketing team is pretty important. And, and when I used to do keynote speaking, when there were conferences pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. you know, one of the things I'd do with my audience is put, I'd ask them, put your hand up if right now you could pick your phone up and call your graphic designer to get something designed and 100% of hands would go up because all business owners have access to a graphic designer, generally speaking. Right. Keep your hand up if you could now ring your copywriter to write a sales letter or a script or a website page or a blog post. And I would probably say 80% of hands would go down. Wow. Because a, they don't have a copywriter on their virtual marketing team, and B, you know, people assume copy's easy. Yeah. So therefore, I'll write it myself, and they couldn't be wronger. Yeah, I've got Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the tools do not equal the skills. And, and these days with sites like Fiverr and, you know, Upwork, all of these online freelancers, they're so affordable and flexible. So why not just bring someone in that has done this before? even if it's just to augment what someone in-house has started to do. Hey, are you inspired to create a funny sales video yet? Or maybe hearing Joseph speak is simply inspiring you to create better marketing. If it is then I would encourage you to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. I wrote it to show you how being helpful in your marketing returns you more customers and makes you more money. We all want a bit of that, right? And a big thanks to the 6,087 motivated business owners who've already bought it. You can grab a signed copy over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Now, back to Joseph. Under scripting, you talk, you say your script should be entertaining throughout. This freaks me out a bit because it's hard to be entertaining. It's, it's particularly hard to be funny. Yes. It, it's a huge pressure when you say to a, a small business owner who isn't used to this space, oh, be entertaining or, or be funny. You know, I guess, again, it comes back to, well, go and employ a professional if you can't do it yourself. Well, you, that is one step that you should not do yourself trying to be funny, unless you have that gift. And I look at it as hooks, right? You've got your big hook at the beginning, which we already discussed, your first five seconds that lead into the, the opening of the video. But that's not enough. You can't think, oh, I've got them on the hook. You've got to keep <laughs> hooking them. Almost, you know, every 15 to 20 seconds at the very most, you should have another hook. Now, that hook doesn't always have to be funny, could be shocking. It could be, you know, amazing product demonstration in a weird and wacky way. It doesn't have to be funny. We find that funny works well, but there's a lot of different ways. It could be sad. It could be a tearjerker. Just think about what are the emotions that are going to keep that person from, you know, metaphorically flipping the channel. Back in the day when I worked on infomercials, we would literally hire focus groups and sit behind a one-way mirror and we would give them remote controls and it had to be on one switch or the other. Happy face, sad face, happy face, sad face. And we'd see these graphs throughout the 30-minute infomercial and we would go back and edit the places where there was too many sad faces. So when I do 
these videos, I'm constantly thinking, happy face, stay. Sad face, I just lost them. How do I keep hooking them back? You, well, in your ebook, you say people don't stop watching a video because it's too long. They stop watching it because they are bored. And I, I concur with that because it's that old, you know, people say to me who are looking at embarking on creating a podcast, you know, how long should a podcast episode be? I say as long as it needs to be and not a second more. And I guess you would add to that. Absolutely. The minute it becomes boring. But, you know, you know, some of the most well-known podcasts in the world are, are two or three hours long. You know, your Tim Ferriss's, your Joe Rogan's and, um, you know, they just keep it interesting by being interesting or engaging or entertaining, whatever you want to call it. I guess the pickup there is um, people still go to the movies. Movies aren't getting any shorter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just think, about, that's exactly think right. about how much production value goes into each minute of that and do the same in your shorter videos. Just to finish on scripting, what's a typical call to action and should the call to action be left to the very end? Because with your videos, they're three minutes long, albeit we've just agreed yep. that they're going to be entertaining enough to hold your attention. But So typically, our, and we've tested this, we've tested long versions versus short versions. Ironically, the long version version always outperforms the short version every single time. And, and it's because what we do is it's very structured. So it's opening hook, get to the problem, get to the solution, give them an offer. If we can do that within the first minute, minute and a half, we're good. Then we'll continue and we'll give them another offer at the end. So it's basically two opportunities for them to buy. But if we shove the call to action right up front, we haven't established the characters. We haven't established the problem. We haven't built that connection. The number one comment that I look for and that I have got time and again, especially in this last campaign for True Earth, is where people type in, I could have replaced that person with me. That's me. That's my life. That's my problem. That's the solution that I need. And then they buy. Love that. And so if you don't spend the time to make that connection, you know, you might as well go back to your typical, you know, direct response, product, feature, benefit, call to action. It's just a different mindset. I've just had an idea, Joseph, and I'm digressing for a second before we get stuck into step four of your ebook around creating funny sales videos. Have you ever considered funny sales audios? Ooh, hello. Joseph and Tim just went into business. <laughs> I'll have to give you a royalty on that. That's a really interesting thought. I mean, with the advent of Clubhouse, that's what everyone's talking about these days, right? Adding them into podcasts. That's probably much harder. It's probably harder because here's the thing about funny sales videos. They are very, very visual because we know that 80% of the people that are watching them don't have sound on. 80% of people scrolling through their social media feed don't have sound on. So by nature, what I do is I try to figure out how can I visually hook you with the goal of getting you to turn on your sound. So that is a completely different mindset. I don't know how we would attack that because, again, our whole focus is on visually how do we hook you. But that's a great thought. Sounds like you've got a couple of limiting beliefs there that you need to break through because uh, I just think we've landed <laughs> on a great idea and everyone else listening, please leave it alone because um, the minute I hang up from this call, I'm going we'll, we'll, to explore the idea. We'll, we'll write up a contract <laughs> after right. the show. Okay, step four, adding comedy. Now, you've, you've really got me offside here, Joseph. It says, no jokes are better than bad jokes. Don't fill your script with lame and predictable dad jokes. Um, my listeners know that I'm quite the master. <laughs> of the dad joke and um as am i <laughs> the the biggest thing that makes my skin crawl is when i watch an ad that clearly is trying to be funny but misses and what's the upshot of that i think low of that brand it's the opposite of what i'm trying to do i'm trying to sell you but if i can't sell you at least let me make you like me yeah those are my two goals and if you come out with just lame jokes people just they have a negative response to it. Yes. And so fortunately, here's the really easy way to get around it for anyone listening. Go to your nearest comedy club. Literally, go sit down, watch a bunch of comedians, and guess what? Comedians are dirt poor. They love it when executives come up to them and say, you know those 18 hours a day that you're not on stage? Coming right for me. 
Let me help you fill your time. Do you know, uh, I totally agree with that. You can learn so much from stand-up comedians. My speaking coaches, Troy and Zara, who have been on this podcast, are both stand-up comedians. What they are particularly good at, both Troy and Zara and stand-up comedians, good stand-up comedians, is they are very economical with their words. They cut to the chase very quickly and they funny or at least give you a smile. And so I totally agree. Go to comedy clubs. I'll add to that by saying buy Seinfeld's new book, which is called Is This Something? I thought it was going to be a book about how to write jokes. It's actually every joke he's ever written is basically transcribed and in this book. And because Seinfeld is so very good at making fun of the silliness of life. You know, he just picks the smallest of things, things that we all think about but never turn into funnies. That's what he does. So even just reading through that will help you understand the science of funny. Yes. It's yes. a great book. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to pick it up. I just barely saw his new Netflix special, but I'm going to have to read that. You know, the funny thing about the Seinfeld book, I was, I was reading it over the Christmas period. I got it for Christmas and... Um, Reading it, you find yourself laughing out loud. And then my girlfriend, Sarah. <laughs> that's that's the ultimate that, That's right. And then my girlfriend, Sarah, says, what are you laughing at? And I go, oh, let me read you this joke. And when you read it out loud, it's not funny because his delivery is so awesome, you know. <laughs> Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Step five, Joseph, uh, production. You say choose the right actors. Spend your budget on your actor before you spend it on your crew and equipment. Hmm. Absolutely. What we're doing right now, you know, you you can pick up a laptop, pick up a phone. Everyone's got a 4K camera in the in the in their pocket nowadays, right? Back when I started 20 years ago, one of those would cost $100,000. So there's so much technological advancement. What you can't do though is just say, you know what? The girl at the front desk is pretty. Let's use her. Yeah, yeah. Or I've got a mate of a mate who, you know, you you always have someone that you think you could do it for cheap, but the person who is going to become your spokesperson will make it or break it. And in every one of the examples that I mentioned earlier, especially in the True Earth commercial, Talitha Hanks was the savior of that video. Hmm. She absolutely nailed that role. And mothers and, well, women generally just wrote comment after comment about, I want to be your best friend. I want to hang out with you. I want to have coffee with you. You know, and, and when you see comments like that, you know you've hit that sweet spot. So auditioning is the key to getting good actors. Don't rely on a good script. You've got to watch it in action. And so especially today in the days of COVID, we do tons of remote auditions. So they'll do their own taping and then we'll get them on Zoom and we'll, you know, we'll say, okay, do that faster, do it slower. We go through at least, at least 20 actors before we pick the right one, sometimes a lot more. The Harmon brothers talk about how they've get into the hundreds there's something to be said, just to challenge that, of a business owner appearing in their own video. I like the idea of a business totally owner. Totally different kind of. A, a totally yes. different kind of video. Totally different kind. Yeah. It's like the, you know, the bloke who bought Remington back in the day. Yeah, I, I liked it so much. I loved it. Yeah, Victor, Victor Kayam. I loved it so much I bought the company. And I, I do like seeing a business owner at least put their head above the trench, particularly a service. Well, actually, I was going to say service-based business, but even product-based businesses, there's something really nice about seeing the business owner. I think the guy in the Dollar Shave Club original viral video, he was the owner of Dollar Shave Club, wasn't he? Yes, he was. In fact, I, I sent him a message this morning. <laughs> Why? Funnily enough. Because I'm trying to... So I'm starting my own podcast. It's called no. How to Make a Video another Go Viral. One. Another bloody And I'm podcast. reaching out. Yeah. Yeah, another <laughs> one. It's mainly case studies that just for my website, really, of, of examples that we have. But I'm reaching out to a few of those bigger fish to say, come tell your story. Come tell us who came up with that idea. And he was one that did truly go viral, from what I understand. I don't believe it was paid ads, but those days are I, I interviewed a guy a number of years ago who's um, had a video production company in Melbourne, Australia. I think it was called Woolshed Productions or something. And he set out to prove that you could create a viral video as opposed to, oh, I happen to have my camera on when those, that car accident happened or when that cat fell off the ladder. This guy set out to create right. and he created eight, all of which are on his website. You would have seen them. One my, one was um, 
the guy jumping off into Sydney Harbour and just as he jumps, his friend yells out, shark, shark, and the guy ends up almost jumping onto <laughs> the shark, but it looks completely real. He wasn't trying to sell anything. He was actually trying to make the point that you can make a video go viral. But I think to your point, it was back in the day when Facebook actually shared your content without having to pay. But was it promoting a product? No, it wasn't. That's the difference. That's the difference. You can make a video go viral today if it's compelling enough, but the minute Facebook or the platforms get a whiff that it's corporate sponsored, even if you don't have a product in there, that's when their algorithm kicks in and says, "Uh, uh, uh, you got to pay to play. He did have one video that was launching one of the new Star Wars films and the, it was the, the event was at the Opera House and a stormtrooper was walking down the large flight of steps in front of the Opera House and fell which was very funny. Okay. Uh, So they were promoting something every now and then. Moving on, step six, which I think is a fascinating area, which is editing. Don't let your viewers get bored. Your video needs to get straight to the point and consistently hit the point throughout the video. Think of your viewer as someone with a bad case of ADD. I mean, this is a great way of taking into account whether it's someone listening to a podcast or watching one of your videos, their attention is short. Absolutely. And that is getting shorter and shorter. I mean, when we when I started doing this, we didn't have TikTok. People's attentions are getting shorter and shorter. So you have to be more and more hooky. Yes. You have to be more compelling, have to be more attention grabbing. Yeah, it's tough. It's getting tougher. Yes, it absolutely is. But but when we edit, we we literally, if there's even so much as a breath, we'll get rid of it. Yeah, well, you say speed things up, get rid of breaths between sentences, cross-cut conversations so people are almost talking over themselves, speed everything up. I mean, yeah, again, absolutely. great tips because so often, you know, I always say it's very easy to be verbose and I've been accused many times of being verbose, but actually cutting to the chase. A great copywriter I worked with years ago said, keep removing words until it stops making sense, you know. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and the human brain, the eyes and the ears can take in a lot more than we give them credit for. Yes, I I had a question on comedy, Joseph. How do you avoid the funnies overshadowing whatever it is you're trying to sell? Because you walk a very fine line of trying to have a gag, have a hook, keep people interested. But at the end of the day, you are being paid to sell products. So how do you walk successfully that line? So it it can't be distracting comedy. It can't be offensive comedy. It has to be disruptive, which which will offend some people. But uh, you know, I kind of look at the eighty twenty rule, right? You've got to you got to play to to eighty percent. If I don't get complaints on the video, I know I haven't pushed it far enough, mm. right? You've got to be disruptive, and that will offend some people. And I'm not talking about you know being gross or you know overly sexualized. I'm talking about play to the mainstream, but push it far enough that it becomes you know again keep coming back to the word disruptive. But you can't be silly. You have to be clever and you have to advance the story. So the jokes not only have to be funny, they have to be relevant. They have to, mm. you know, they have to take somebody on a journey from knowing nothing about your product to wanting to click that buy now button. And if it doesn't, some of the best jokes that we wet our pants laughing over when our comedians submit them end up on the cutting room floor. You have to kill your babies. Do you do B-rolls? Uh, we do bloopers, we do behind the scenes, we do shorter Instagram clips. Oh, absolutely. But you have to, it's all about the sale. It's not about, am I making this look pretty? Am I am I some, you know, highfalutin artist that's trying to promote my work? No, it's about the client advancing a sale. At the end of the day, it's marketing not cinema. Step seven on creating a funny sales video is testing. It's scary. It's boring. I think it is anyway. It's, you know, you've you've moved on from production now and you're just going out, you're putting your baby out there saying, what do you think? I I shouldn't say it's boring. It's just scary. And you say testing should really be done after every single step before you move on to the next. Yes. But you talk about get as many people to view your content and give their feedback as possible. You know, did they get it? Did they like it? Would they buy it? Why? Why not? Where did they get lost? All these questions to ask as you test. And you then say observe trends, not opinions. Because I yes. think one of the things that I see business owners do is 
and we do this anyway as human beings, if one person says something critical to us, we're like, oh, I've got to change that. I can't keep doing it. But that's one person's opinion. Or, or the, uh, you know, the, the notorious, the client's wife doesn't like the logo. Oh, yes. How many times have you heard that, right? <laughs> or the client's wife wants the logo bigger. I've got a story about that. I'm sure you do. I, I, very briefly, I, way, way back in my advertising days, I, I looked after the Yellow Pages business, which in back in its day was a very, very big brand and, and also well known for its creativity. The, the ads for Yellow Pages out of Australia were, were pretty, they, you'd win gold lions at the Cannes Festival. Sure, cool. And the new marketing director came in and we presented our first concept to him, uh, having gone through the strategy development and the brief development and getting the brief signed off and then we present him the, the scripts, the concepts, and he said, thank you, um, I'll go home and show my wife. <laughs> and it's, you know, your heart sinks and all I could say as a young executive, and I think I got into trouble for it on reflection, was please make sure your wife's read the brief. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got something objective to compare our work to. Anyway, I interrupted you. What's your view on all that? So like it says, it's a numbers game, right? So back to that 80-20 rule. Look at trends, not individual opinions. You've got to get as much as budget will allow big samples, right? So whether that means SurveyMonkey or any other number of sites that will let you crowdsource opinions or, I mean, we literally will go down and stand on a street corner with a script or with an iPad, stop people and say, can you watch this? Like here in the office, when the delivery man comes, he's not leaving without watching the latest cut <laughs> of a video. Because I, I, what I want is I don't want to ask my wife, what do you think? Because she's going to want me to be, feel good about my work. Well, guess what? Cold traffic doesn't care. Cold traffic will give you a blunt opinion and that's what you're looking for. So you've got to get as many as you can and then it's not necessarily getting the answers that they think that you want to hear, it's observing them. Ultimately, I want my people smiling, if not laughing, belly laughs, extra points. You want to get that from cold traffic, not people who like you or want you to feel good about what you've just shown them. Yeah. And I think importantly, not listening to just the voice of one, but, you know, yes. a group of however, you know, a significant group of people, if they're all saying the same thing, there probably is something broken. The last step, which you touched on at the top of this interview, Joseph, uh, step eight in creating a funny sales video is is forget viral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, you know, the vast majority of views are, are purchased with paid ads. So that's the nature of it. You produce something that you think is clever or funny or engaging or entertaining. Well, it might be, but you're going to have to put some dough behind it on Facebook or Insta or whatever it may be. Absolutely. I think one of the quotes that underscores this the most, and, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think Squatty Potty, the video that we talked about, I think the Harmon brothers publicly said without paid ads that probably wouldn't have got past 200,000 views. And it's now in the, I, I can't remember if it's 30 million or 300 million. I think it's oh, 300. 300. It was, it, was eight, it was 80 when I interviewed him. Okay, so 300 million. So there's the answer, right? Without paid ads, Squatty Potty would, would have been insignificant. And so you've got to fuel that. I would say that maybe, maybe 5% of our ads get seen by an organic share. Now, still 5% of 60,000 from our last campaign, you know, that's still, what, 3 million views? You mean 60 million Sorry, sixty million. Yeah, I'm a creative, not a not a not a math <laughs> I person. <laughs> I get it, but it's the cherry on top. Awesome, buddy. I love the work that you're doing. I really hope that those who have got this far in the interview, obviously, are, you know, may be compelled to produce something. Have a look at Joseph's work. It doesn't mean, I guess, that you have to go and produce something to the quality that you guys are. But what do you say to those that are going? Geez, I'm pretty excited now. I have got a 4K camera in my pocket. What do you say to them? So I say to them, go and do. If you want to get the kinds of results, though, that we get, there's a reason why people stop scrolling on content that is really well produced. It's because it looks different than the one before and the one after. Because guess what? The one before and after were filmed on the same iPhone that you have in your pocket. And it's not just you filming it in your pocket, right? It's a whole team of 20 plus people that we have touching each campaign, all with a specialty. 
So absolutely try this yourself if you don't have the budget to go out and hire a company like ours, because that is going to be way better in my opinion, and obviously I'm biased, than just trying to do something without following these steps. But, you know, these days, the beauty is that everyone has the ability. You just got to focus and, and create something and spend the time. Don't go out and rush to creating. That's why our campaigns are three to six months to go from concept through to completion. Are you only working with local businesses? You're in Canada. No, we're in Utah. Oh, sorry, Utah, I should say. I don't know why I thought Canada. So I, I'm trying to think, we do have a couple of local clients. Most of our clients are all across the country, if not in other countries. In fact, True Earth are in Canada. We haven't done any with Australia yet. So not yet. Maybe there's a first. But yeah, we, I don't sit down with my clients physically here in Utah anyway. So there's really no reason why geography should be a boundary. FunnySalesVideos.com is where you will download the ebook that we've just dissected. There's a lot more to it than we covered. Um, you can view all Joseph's work. Joseph, thank you for reaching out and, and for sharing some pretty interesting insights into a world that I'd love to see more of my listeners embrace. Yeah, and if people want to hear more case studies, we've got many more that I haven't mentioned, they can go to HowToMakeAVideoGoViral.com. Boom. And what's your podcast going to be called? That's it. How to make a video go viral. There you go. Well done, brother. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's terrific. Really enjoyed this. Well, there you go, team. Funny sales video founder, Joseph Wilkins. I really, really enjoyed chatting to that fellow. You're going to find links to all the videos and interviews we mentioned, including the first kiss video, the squatty potty video over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com 547, plus a link to grabbing his ebook, which we just sort of went through. Uh, not completely, because there are other great tips in it, but of course, uh, we were limited by time. But here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Joseph. Attention grabber number one. I simply love his respect for the power of creativity. Now, I know being creative as a business owner can sometimes feel a bit hard and you've got that little bloke on your shoulder saying, you're not creative. What would you know about creativity? <laughs> it has got a funny voice, that bloke on your shoulder. Um, ignore all that and embrace creativity. It's fun and it can be incredibly powerful as Joseph has shown in his funny sales videos. Attention grabber number two. I love his quote around stop the scroll. You can stop the scroll by being funny, by deeply addressing your customers' objections, showing them that you understand where they're at, or simply by speeding things up in the edit. <laughs> so many ideas. Get his ebook, funnysalesvideo.com. Funnysalesvideos.com, I should say. An attention grabber number three. And I use this quote a lot prior to even hearing it from, from Joseph. Version one is better than version, you got it, version none. Version one is better than version none. So true. If you are a procrastinator, like myself, then you just got to take action and get some momentum and do it. Version one, better than version none. That's what grabbed my attention. Now, I shouldn't ask you to hit pause, but I'm going to, because I'd love you to give me a buzz or at least give the Small Business Big Marketing hotline a buzz on 0480-015-150. Just like longtime listener and active contributor to the Facebook group, Chris Sullivan did. Hey, Timbo, it's Chris Sullivan here from your local tyre centre. We just wanted to uh, drop you a message. Firstly, with a thanks for all your content and the amazing guests you have, and also the uh, the tribe that we've got on Facebook. After COVID, the aftermath of COVID, we are starting to gain some traction again. COVID really hit us quite hard. We managed to stay open, so we're very lucky. Other businesses didn't. There's still a long road to recover. We've used up all our emergency funds. We've used up every bit of resource. We've sold off all our stock. So we're basically starting from scratch again. But it, it gives me a bit of a drive to be sort of kicked down and uh, and get back up again. Myself and the, the couple of people that work for us, we're all on the same page to continue on another step in front of each other. Um, hope all's well with you, Timbo. The podcast continues to be a staple for me. Thanks again. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thank you so much, Chris. You know, mate, it's business owners like you 
that make producing this podcast for the past 12 years so worthwhile. Chris, I know a lot about your business, mate. I love your tenacity, your never give up attitude, um, your love for what you do. And I find it actually really inspiring. If you find what I do inspiring, mate, I find what you do even more inspiring. So keep on punching, buddy. COVID's been a bitch for everyone, or for most, you know, unless you're like making vaccines or I don't know, if you're a doctor. But um, yeah, it has been tough, mate. And I'm so glad to hear you coming out the other side. And to anyone else listening who's been battling their way through this pandemic and their business has come out the other side, well done. For those that haven't, I'm sorry, but have another crack. Small business is awesome, right? Um, Give me a buzz, 0480-015-150. Let me know how your business is doing. Let me know what marketing's working for you. Love to hear from you. Next episode, we catch up with a fellow who used to be a cowboy until one night around the campfire, he decided to take on the likes of one of Australia's great brands in RM Williams. And four years down the track, he's actually doing a pretty good job. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Give the Small Business Big Marketing hotline a buzz. I'd love to hear from you. 0480-015-150. If you're loving the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, you'll find 546 more episodes on the Listener app or your favourite podcast app, whichever that may be. And as has been the case for the past 12 years, the podcast has been presented by me, Timbo Reed, and is currently under the strict guidance of my producer, Big Dave Zwolinski. Until next time, team, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. Listener.